We believe the Word of God you receive today will bring restoration and transformation to your life. God bless you as you listen to His Word in Jesus' name. Praise the living Jesus. Hallelujah. Genesis 2.18 I love you Jesus 2.18 And the Lord God said Who said it? It is not good that Man should be what? Who was he talking about? He was talking about who? About you? But he wasn't talking about, he was talking about man. Adam, right? Which of the Adams was he talking about? Was it the first Adam or the last Adam? Are you sure? The Lord God said it is not good for Christ to be alone. Are you with me? Are you with me? I say, but how did you come to that conclusion, sir? I thought it was he that he was talking about. Go to Genesis 1, 26. Let's know who this man is. We have a short time. Hi. We can't do so much. Then God said, who said it? Let us make who? Man. In our own what? Image. After our own likeness. That is a prerequisite for them to have dominion. Are you with me? Who is the image? Now, not there. He said, let us. So, when we met God in the creation of man, we didn't meet a single entity. We met a community. A God that was already in a relationship. Are you with me? He said, let us make man. So that they are going to be like us. But then he said he was going to make man in accordance to a certain image. So the question will be, who is the image of God? Hebrews 1. Just follow me this morning. We don't have time. So I have to rush. Hebrews 1. Verse 2. Verse 3. Who be the brightness. Who says the brightness. Of his glory. And is the express image of his person. And we were talking about Christ. From verse 1. Verse 2. By the time we get to verse 3. We knew who he was talking about. So we can conclude. That when God was going to make man. Who was he going to make them in his image? He was going to make them in the image of who? Christ. Hallelujah. So that when you meet with man, hallelujah, you are not sure if it is Christ you are meeting or it is a man you are meeting. And the idea of image is a reflection. Sounds like a reflection. And a representative. The idea of an image is that if the image of that thing is there, that particular person doesn't have to be there because the image can represent the person. Are you with me? It was man was made in the image of God after his likeness. That was the assignment. Let us make man in our own image. And Christ is a person 
that is the image of God originally in heaven. Because no man at any time had seen God. Romans 1.18. John rather 1.18. That means God is invisible. He cannot be seen. Are you with me? God cannot be what? God cannot be seen. When you get to heaven, when you meet with, when you get to heaven and you see the one that is on the throne, it's not, you can't see him. The Bible says that he sits in a light that cannot be approached. Angels cannot see him. The closest to God are the cherubs. And the Bible says they have six wings each. And two of them is to cover their face. The day they see God, they stop existing as angels. So, the first time in Romans 1.18, John 1.18, he said, no man at any time had seen God. That's why when we got to Timothy, he said, great is the mystery of godliness. He said, one day, God became flesh and dwells amongst us. Hallelujah. Listen to me carefully. Just follow me. Why would God want to reveal himself? The first thing is because the most important thing you can know in your life is God. Someone said the knowledge of God. That is why there is a tree that was planted in the center of the garden. That tree is two types of knowledge. There is one that is called the knowledge of good and evil. And there is one that is the knowledge of God, which is the tree of life. Are you with me? In Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make man in our own image after our own likeness. And let them now begin to have dominion. So the idea was that man was meant to be made in the image of God after his likeness. Now, let's get to John 1.27. Thank you, Jesus. No, 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 sorry. Genesis 1.27. Genesis 1.27. One twenty-seven. So God created man in his what? In his what? In the image of God created who? Him. Male and female created he what? The question I want to ask you this morning is that what does God look like? It looks like you. Sister, please come. No, no, no. Sister, please, if you don't mind, <laughs> please, let's celebrate that. Brother, please come. Thank you. Come here. So, God said, let, I want to make man in my image after my likeness. So, basically, at the end of my production process, you are going to be able to know what I look like. Is that okay? So he said, let us make. So verse 27 said, God created. Has he made? No, he has not. There's a difference between the word make and create. Because later on, we'll get to chapter 2 of Genesis. He will say, let us form. And God formed. Are you with me? So I want to call your attention to the project that God was embarking on. He was in the process of making man. He was in the process of what? And the first thing he did was that he then created man. And the Bible said he created him in his image. After his likeness. So when you look into the garden at that time, what do you see? The Bible said the male and female he created them. Is God a man? Is God a woman? What is God like? The Bible told us male and female. So if you are going to know God, you need to know the male 
and the female. Are you with me? There is a dimension of God that is feminine. Oh, you didn't know that? Oh, where did you think you got your breast from? There is a one called the multi-breasted one. The one who can cut things from the womb of the morning. That's where you got your whole womb from. That's why you're a womb man. There is a one who came out of God. Who was counseling God from the foundation of the world. The Bible called her Sophia Wisdom. She was instructing God. In case you don't know, there is a feminine side of God. That is why if you oppress a woman, you are oppressing some dimensions of God. So if you see man on earth and you see the male alone, you've not seen God. Please stay at the back, man. So in Genesis 2, God formed the man. God did what? He formed. Someone say formed. Remember, he's in a process. Someone say process. He formed the man from the dust. So we see the two dimensions of man. There's a spirit dimension and there's a body dimension. Are you with me? And the man begins to do things in the garden. And then in Genesis 2, 18, he said, it is not good that this man should be like this. Why? Because the singleness of a man is not consistent with the intention of God. Is it complete in himself? Yes. Is God made him complete here. Or is it complete in the purpose? No. There is a season. There is a time when it is good for you to be alone. There is a season. Are you with me? In those seasons, you are discovering how this man, there is a man that can be married. He said it is not good for the man, not the boy to be alone. Are you with me? Not the boo. It's not the boo. It's, it's man. Mm. Are you with me? Because when God formed Adam, he needed to go through a process until he looked at him and said, you have, you've got it to a point where you've maximized your manhood. You've worked with me to a point where I know you are not a proper male. Not every male is a proper male. God formed him. He was not unformed. That means until you are formed, you cannot be, you are not ready for marriage. Are you with me? God placed him in a garden until you discover your garden. You are not ready for a help. Are you with me? And God gave me commandments. We don't have time. And then God said, it is not good for this man to be what? Alone. There was a time it was good. There was a time it was good. There was a time it was good because everything is in a process. If you marry before your time, you'll be buried. Hallelujah. And the Lord God said, the next verse, Genesis 2, 18, and then 19, the Bible says, in 2, 18, he announced that it is not good for man to be alone. In 2, 19, Bible said you begin to form animals out of the ground, right? So let's check it. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field. And what did he do? And brought them to Adam to see what he will call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was his name. That would mean if Adam had called any one of them wife, Adam would have been married to an animal, not a woman. So as long as Adam is the one searching, he will find the wrong person. Next verse, verse 20. And Adam gave names to the birds, to the birds of the air, to every beast, but 
Adam, there was no found a helper compared to me. That means among the animals, Adam was looking for a helper. How many of you have been looking for helper among animals? He was looking for helper. Because the guy is broad chested, you don't know he's a bull. He's going to bulldoze you in marriage. The guy is tall, dark, and now somebody is a wolf. There is a discernment that is needed to accurately know who to marry. Adam searched and couldn't find. Hallelujah. So, what did God now do? Verse 20. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep. Someone say sleep. Tell your neighbor sleep. To marry right, you must learn how to sleep. You must learn how to what? And then God took a rib out of his side and then brought the woman whom he has formed also. So while God was forming Adam, God had to form Eve too. Damaged marriage is a product of unformed partners. That means if you are not equipped, you will never be able to succeed in marriage. Hallelujah. And then he brought Eve to him. Who brought Eve? Who brought Eve? So if you see Eve and God is not beside her, it is not Eve. It's not your own. Are you with me? Anytime your wife appears, God is always by her side. It was God that said. So if you have not learned to hear the voice of God, you are not ready to hear the voice of your spouse. And then, then they came together. They are here, right? So when you see a man and a woman coming together, hold your hand. Hallelujah. Remember, God is trying to make man in his what? Image. After his own word, what is what does God look like? That's the first question. The Bible said there are three witnesses in heaven. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Now we have a man and a woman, and there has to be the Holy Ghost here. The same picture that you have in heaven, you begin to have it on earth. Are you with me? That is why the Bible says, what God has what? Joined together. Let no man put asunder. That is because it is impossible for you to put asunder what God is binding. Hold my hands. Only what can break God can break this union. Are you with me? But if it is paper that is binding you together. How long will it take for me to take a scissors and cut this? If it is a beauty that is binding it, a beauty doesn't even have a binding force. Are you with me? If it is your certificate that is binding you, anything can put you what? Asunder. But what God? A parosatation. And don't assume because you married, it is God that joined you. If he didn't initiate it, he cannot, cannot come back. Are you with me? Are you saying, Pastor, I didn't hear from God. Does that mean God didn't see? There are permissive marriages. And you never invited God in the first place. It was like the wedding of the kind of Galilee. Jesus was not part of the organizers. He was invited as a guest. God, Jesus must never be a guest in your marriage. He has to be a participant, he has to be part of the, are you with me? If he's not there from the beginning, his presence will be minimal. And let me tell you something. The success of your marriage is guaranteed only by the presence of God. By what? Because marriage is not for you. It's for the man that was not meant to be alone. Who is the man? Christ. Christ. Christ 
is the one that marriage was designed for. Because we saw it in Ephesians 5. From verse, is it 22? Wife, submit yourself unto your husband. As unto who? The Lord. 5.22 Wives, submit to your own husband as unto who? Since our duty, primary duty is not to submit to him. His primary duty is to submit to me. If she doesn't know me, she cannot succeed in this marriage. Are you with me? So, if you are going to succeed in your marriage, you will know how to Carry the Lord. Are you with me? If you, she can't see the Lord, she can't submit. You are too imperfect for her to honor your imperfection. It's only Christ in you that is the hope of the glory and honor that you have in this union. As long as you are trying to use your self-effort, your mind, your money to 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 manage this marriage, this marriage will be damaged. It's only the premise that the Lord is the God of this union that your marriage will succeed. Listen to me. Marriage is not cultural. Marriage is not traditional. Marriage is not, there's no court marriage. You can do court wedding. Because it's not earthly court that defends marriage. It's a heavenly court. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, you are in trouble. Are you with me? I'm so sorry. You are preaching with me today. Is that okay? And I, so it's a heavenly court. Sir, the reason why there is a defense of marriage from the heavenly court is because the bond, the, the bond that unites marriage is a covenant. Because a covenant. Ah, I don't have time to explore that. But understand this. Let me give you an, a scenario. One day, Abraham went to Gera with his wife that was old but looking young. And because of the fear of the king, he decided, you are my sister from now on. So they said, okay, no problem. And then, as soon as they got to the, the, the king, added her to his harem. And then, somehow, he was not able to sleep with her. One night, God came and said, Abimelech, you are a dead man. Are you with me? And they said, I didn't know. Said, I know you didn't know. Now you are going to return the man, the, the wife. You are going to, and he's going to pray for you. Now, notice in the period, that Sarah was in that place, all the animals, all the human beings and the animals have become barren. Are you listening to me? Including the mosquitoes. The king did not know. Adam was wrong. But Sarah, the Bible said, he never insulted her husband. He called, she called her husband Lord. And the defender of the Covenant union, the one who bound them together was fighting a battle that they did not understand. The reason why you are fighting to keep your husband is because you don't have a defender. You don't understand that there's a defender of covenant. He's a covenant keeping God. He told Abraham, In blessing, I will bless you. He said, Through you, the nations of the earth will be blessed. He said, Whosoever bless you shall be blessed. Whosoever cursed you shall be cursed. The only way you can guarantee the defense of your marriage is that the defender was introduced from the beginning. You have no fear. Oh my God. Do you understand? You know that Abraham was wrong. But Sarah kept a deal, a part of the deal. He, she appealed to the defender. For you, you keep fighting with your husband. You don't have to talk to the defender. Oh, in case you think God defends only the wife, he defends the man too. David and Bathsheba. The husband 
Uriah did not know what was going on. Even when David ended up killing him. God, the throne of David, David almost lost his throne. Because the man was faithful to that covenant. And the God of that covenant, even though he was dead, the blood of that covenant was speaking. The reason why you're going to marry it without including him is because you think you are powerful to, to manage marriage. You know that marriage is a heavenly technology that was exported to earth. Human beings cannot do marriage successfully. Are you with me? You, a human being, you cannot successfully manage a marriage. You need help. You need a power that can oversee your marriage even when you are not there. Let me give you a scenario. I was, when I was dating my wife, please celebrate my wife for me. So sorry. I didn't introduce her. So she was serving in a camp, youth, youth camp, before I married her. And then she, so one guy started trying to tie her. So I didn't know what was happening until she came back. And then she told me, honey, something happened when I was in camp. I said, what happened? He said, somebody was trying to toast me. He was not always around me. Then suddenly he fell sick. So they took him to the hospital. So he was trying to call me. His phone got missing. Then the next thing, the friend was trying to use their phone, their own phone to go missing. Then he became so sick, they carried him away. Throughout the time they were in camp, the guy could not connect with her again. I said, he came across a covenant that was great. I'm not married. But because it was God that initiated my union. You couldn't steal my, you couldn't steal my girlfriend. Are you with me? Please, let's celebrate her, please. <laughs> You couldn't. Thank you. You couldn't. I was not there. But the defender, that he was the one that was in, his, in he was interested in the covenant. It was his marriage. It was not my marriage. I wasn't the one that said I want to marry at that time. Listen to me. It was not Adam that said to God, it is not, it's not good for me to be alone. Adam was not lonely. You thought he was lonely. He was not. He was alone. He was by himself. And he was enjoying himself. Until God said, there are things in me that you need to encounter. And let me bring another dimension of me to you. And he brought him. Are you with me? So, if God is not at the center. And I'm not talking about assumption. Are you with me? I'm talking about he's involved. He brought you together. He determined the number of months you are going to court. Many of you say, we heard from God. So when are you going to marry? He said, like three years. Who told you? The most important person in your union is God. Did you ask him? No. You will struggle. That is why your relationship broke. There's somebody, you are listening to me right now. Your relationship broke because you overspent the time of courtship. You, you, were, you didn't know that you were operating covenant in a weak way. You don't get to determine how covenants are run. Are you with me? You don't. Where you marry. So who you marry. By the covenant defender. Duration of your courtship. By the covenant defender. Where you live. How many of you have gotten a situation by. You went to go and rent a house. When you ended up to marry. And then. It was torture for the three years you were in that house. Because you chose the house yourself. There is a garden. It wasn't Adam that planted the garden. Are you with me? It was God that planted the garden. The place you are supposed to walk. You are not the one that finds a place to walk. I want to go to Canada. No. You don't get to determine that. Hallelujah. What about the number of children you are supposed to have? Do you know that God is the one that is interested in your child? He said, children are the heritage of who? It's not your children. Some people don't like me anymore right now. It's not, they are not your children. If you read Malachi 2, when he was talking about covenant, how people have broken covenant, he said, why did I bring you? Why did I make you one? So that you can produce a godly seed. 
is godly seed. It's not your seed. You are not trying to perpetuate your name. It's not your name. Your name is not a strong tower. The righteous cannot run through it and they will be saved. Except your name comes under the name. You know, Abraham, God told him, I will give you a name. It, it is when you align with God that God gives you a name that is above many other names. That in, the name, in that name, many things can happen. But it is when you perpetuate the name of the Lord that your name becomes relevant and significant on this earth. So you don't get to choose the gender. Because you have three females. You are angry. And they are not your children. Tell your neighbor, they are not your children. They are God's children. Once I knew my time was short, I knew I would just have to teach something basic and we will go. Because it is not your marriage. It is his own. Because marriage is a loan. Marriage is what? A loan. 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 Loan, yeah. They borrowed you. When you get to heaven, the owner, Christ, the bridegroom, he will collect the bride back from you. Are you with me? The, he will collect the man from you. He will now dress you will not evaluate both of you. You are ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Is your spirit husband? The reason why demonic spirit husband has been pursuing is because Christ is not your spirit husband yet. You don't know how to copulate with Christ. Spirit husband is a reality because you were designed to marry a spirit. John said, ah, is a groom. He said, I am the friend of the bridegroom. He said, it's my joy to hear the voice. When I hear, he said, my duty is to, is to bring the bride and the bridegroom. Who was he talking about? Jesus. It was Jesus. The Bible said, our God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For the Lord was with him. Who was he going about healing? He was recruiting brides. Every man he met was a potential bride for him. You deserve the glory. Please play that keyboard, please. And the awesome Lord will leave my worship as we praise your holy name. You deserve the glory. And the awesome Lord will leave As a praise of holy name. Hallelujah. Jesus is the object, is the person who marriage was meant for. So that by the time you now the purpose of marriage is another marriage. Are you with me? Ah. The purpose of marriage is what? Another marriage. So at the end of your marriage, your wife should have grown from a bride into a wife. Your home should be a place where both of you, you groom yourself. I usually tell my wife, your purpose is not to cook for me. Your purpose is to create such an environment that I will be like Christ. Your purpose, see, I tell my wife, she said, what was that? I said, your purpose in marriage is not to just to cook. Cooking is good. But you can cook a man into hell. You can buy the shoe that you used to walk into the value of shadow of death. You can dress her up until she becomes a Delilah and a Jezebel. You can spend no money on her until she becomes a bottomless feet. That is why Ephesians 5 told us, he said, husband, love your wife as what? And so 
parents were supposed to tell you how to love your wife. She was supposed to tell you and take care of her and give her money. He said, as Christ loved you, and wash her with what? With the water of the word. So that he may present her to himself a bride without spot and wrinkles. That means that the, if you are successful as a husband, your wife is to become more like Christ. If she was impatient when she met you, she's, she's supposed to be more patient. Marriage is not to cure your loneliness. Marriage is to bring you into holiness. Marriage is to make you look exactly like Christ. And there's a way it works. There's a way. First and foremost, you admit the supremacy of Christ in that marriage. You do nothing except what he tells you to do. Oh my God. I was listening to an interview with a minister of God that was under Pa Elton. I'm even know Pa Elton. And he said this exactly to them. He said the secret to a successful marriage. He said, whatever he tells you to do, that's what you must do. He said, but are you trying to say I don't have a brain? Yes, you don't. When it comes to God, you don't use your brain. You use his brain. Are you with me? Your brain is to understand and to follow. His brain is to direct. He is the head. So the first thing is, know the supremacy of Christ, then know the structure of your marriage. What do I mean by the structure of your marriage? Christ is the head. The husband is the figurehead. The wife is the next. So she submits to him, and he submits to Christ. The day you disturb that order, your marriage will fail. That is exactly what the devil did in the Garden of Eden. He came to Eve. Remember, when the serpent came to the Garden, he came to who? Eve. When God came to the Garden, he came to who? Why? Order. God did not say, Eve. You think God did not know that who first ate the fruit? He knew who first had the fruit. But who was the head? Adam. So, God will not ask you ah, why your marriage went the way it went. God will ask you. There is an order. You don't get to account for his own decision. That's why you don't direct him. You suggest to him. It is order. Because if you direct him and he messes up, you will not be the one to be judged for that decision. It will be him. God will say, Adam, Adam, where are you? That means I look for you in your position and you are missing there. You stop being the husband. You are now like wife. To who? To serpent through Eve. Because Eve cannot be the head. She doesn't. She doesn't have the ability to be the head. You, you, do, you can't have a boss lady. It's not possible. There's no father. There's no, a mother cannot be a father. You can say, I'm your father, I'm your mother, I'm your father. No, 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 no. no. It's not possible. If you are a single mother, thank God, all things are passed away. But look for a father figure. Because you can't be mother and father. You can't biologically produce a child through male and female. And a female will successfully raise the child to be a complete child. The way it is in the physical is the way it is in the spiritual. You don't have the substance to father. It is a man that has his substance. There is a, his loins is full of them. cannot father your children. As a matter of fact, you will never see a scripture that says children, obey your mothers in the Lord. Because the role of parenting lies primarily on the male.
So what does the woman do? She's a help suitable. She helps the man. The home does not belong to the woman. If the home belongs to the woman, God would have created Eve in the garden. The man is the head of not just the marriage. He's the manager of the garden called home. You decide what happens. Your wife suggests. And you delegate as appropriate. Never make that erroneous statement again. The home belongs to woman. That is why serpents will enter. Because Adam was missing. As long as you are missing, we'll keep asking, Adam, men, men, where are you? Who trains our sons? Who trains our daughters? But you are too busy making a living that you are not living. And the reason why you are hustling, trying to make a living that you don't have time for your family, is because you are not led by the Spirit. It is a blessing of the Lord that makes a man rich and has no sorrow. And the sign that there's sorrow to your work is that your home is in shambles. You are not in charge. Man was never designed to have dominion outside his communion in his marriage. The first primary place of your assignment is in your home. First to your wife. To cultivate her to become like Christ. To your children. To make sure they are Christ. Because there was an error that happened in Genesis 4. And Adam had children. In his image. After his likeness. Sir, that is a tragedy. Adam was never designed to have children in his image. He was designed to have children in the image of God. Hallelujah. So the man is the most important earthly factor in the home. And you can't replace him even if you have more money than him. Psalm 133 verse 1. He's a priest. The oil must flow for his head to get to your garment. The most important asset you have as a man is the oil. Is the Christ. How many of you know the Christ is called the anointed one? You don't run home with money. You will run into losses. The Bible says that by wisdom is a husband. And wisdom is a spirit. Are you getting what I'm saying? That you have more certificate than him does not make you the head. The problem is that I have seen an injustice under the sun. An error that comes from the judges. He said, princes walking on barefoot. Because she's making more money, you think she's a man. Now she gets to decide. That's why the devil resides in that marriage. I don't have time. This is not a seminar. We barely have is it 45 minutes or 15 minutes. So what's your duty? When God created Eve, he said, it is not good that the man should be alone. Let us make what? So your duty is to what? Help. So what do you help him with? Whatever he needs help for. Are you with me? So why are you trying to marry a rich man? Are you with me? Okay, where he needs help is money, Abby. And that's where you should help him. Is that? You manage the money together. Your husband can have money, but he might not know how to manage things. Or that's where you should help him. The problem with many singles is that you are not preparing, you are not being prepared to be a help. You are not. You are preparing to get help. The Bible did not say let's make a. He said let's make a help suitable. He didn't say let's go and look for a people that will be needing help. Many people are needy 
empty vessels looking for who to suck dry. They are not full looking to where to pour. Because the mentality that they carry is a hungry man's mentality, hungry woman's mentality. Meanwhile, their hunger is meant to be filled from above by their true husband, Christ. That's why, so marriage is a place where you get to love your, where Christ gets to love your spouse through you. And Christ gets to love you through your spouse. It's not a place where you abandon Christ and begin to compete, begin to suck from him. You are not calling me. I thought, I said something. If your spouse forgets your wedding anniversary, you have failed. Your spouse, someone that is one with you, you wake up every day, you now set a trap for him. He will forget. I know. You are failed. If you are always setting trap so that you will make mistake, you now accuse him. You are not help suitable. You are a whelp. You are like a tiger. You don't know your function. Your function is to look for where there is inadequacies and through the help of the Holy Ghost, fill it up. So you don't complain about what you were designed to help. As a matter of fact, it's inadequacies, your relevance. The day becomes perfect. Your marriage is, is, should be packed up because you don't, it doesn't need you again. And for the men, your wife can only help you to the degree to which you equip her. If you don't know how to train your wife, you are in trouble. Tell your neighbor, if you don't know how to train, tell every man beside you, if you don't know how to train your wife, oh, you are in trouble. That's why, if you are a spiritual giant, and your wife is a spiritual dwarf. It will drag you down. So, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, slow down first. The race is not for the swift. You were doing 21 days prayer fasting before, and she can only do two, two, two days or two and a half. Come to three and encourage her. To 12, to 1, to 2. When she becomes strong, you can fly. As I was preparing for today, my wife too was there. I said, oh, I'm loving this, I'm loving this. You are beautiful, you are beautiful. Not I'm praying, she's looking at me. He doesn't even have time for me. He doesn't have time for me. That is not a help. And in case you don't understand, If you cannot help your spouse spiritually, you are, you are not relevant in his life. Because your husband is a spirit, soul, and body. Your husband is a what? Spirit, soul, and body. Thank God for the food you cook, for the clothes you wash. That's his body. You can't give words of encouragement, his soul. You can't pray. You can't impact him. You can't, he can't, he can't come home discouraged and you will speak to his spirit then you are failing. Hallelujah. So you must understand your role as a man is to what? Wash out with the water of the world. Now you can't give what you don't have, sir. You can't be busy making money and be able to raise out with the world. That means your work must be led by the Spirit and structured in such a way that you have time enough to get the resources to manage her and then your family. If you don't have the right words, the right revelation, if you don't know how to pray, if you don't know how to do all those things spiritually, she will be weak. Because marriage does not succeed naturally. It doesn't succeed psychologically. You can use all the manipulative tools that you have. It will still fail. Marriage succeeds primarily spiritually, not religiously. That you are doing money devotion in your house does not mean your marriage will succeed. You can do it religiously. Spirituality is relationship with God. It means you can hear God. 
you speak to him and you are obedient to him on a regular basis. That is spirituality. It is not thinking in church. It's not working in church. You can work for God and not be working with God. You can know about God and not know God. So the best thing you can do for her is to create the ideal environment for her to grow into Christ. If all the time is Netflix, your marriage is not Netflix. All the time is cinema. Your marriage soon become a cinema. People come and start watching and learning from there. Don't do it like that. If you cannot fellowship around the bread and the wine of the spirit, you will pay. Hallelujah. So number one, the supremacy of Christ to lead. So your marriage has to be Christocentric, not self-centered. You are not brilliant enough to manage marriage. Hallelujah. And it's very detailed. Very detailed. Now, let me tell you something. Because you do everything for Christ, anytime you do anything outside Christ, it becomes an iniquity. I say iniquity. Now, sins are obvious. Adultery, fornication, it's obvious. When you do something for self, it may not look evil. It may not look very terrible. But you are doing it basically, for example, you want to get a job. You basically calculated how much, if it is more, if the money coming is more, that, so you have seven or five jobs or three jobs. You're not choosing the one that has most money. You've just committed iniquity. And according to Balaam, when he was prophesying, he said, I have received the commandment to bless, I cannot curse. He said, what is the reason why this book cannot be cursed? He said, he has not found iniquity in Jacob, nor perversion in Israel. So iniquity is a crack that causes and the enemy used to enter into many people's lives. You, are, you don't get to live a life that is totally destroyed by the devil. But the enemy will be using that place where self is still exalted to ravish your marriage. So you see a situation where you don't have peace in your marriage. You're always quarreling. Self is the problem. That is why marriage is first a burial ground before it is a honeymoon. Do you understand? That means self must die. You. What are the things you, like, for example, you came into marriage and your career is very high in your mind. You are wrong. As a woman, you have one career. What's that career? Your husband. You say, no, 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 no. I'm an air hostess. No. You are a husband hostess. So, are you saying I should not work outside the home? Because he is a man and you are there to help him. Christ and him then determines how you will help. So, if you are working anyway, you are not working for yourself. You are working for him. So, there is no time when your money is your money. Alone. If you are earning the money, it is not for you. Because you stop to exist as your, as your old self when you enter into marriage. Because it's a covenant. The sign of covenant is sacrifice. That means you will die. So the person you used to be, then you resurrect as a new person who is under a new name. That is why your name changes. It's a new identity now. That is why if you Keep working for yourself. Keep your money. You are not in a marriage. You are technically operating a pseudo, a form of divorced relationship. Are you with me? It is the degree to which you die to self that you met with your spouse. The degree to which it's no longer you that live it, but Christ that lives in you, that you succeed in that marriage. The same thing. You don't have personal ambitions anymore, sir. You have only one ambition. Christ. So, how is that practically? Whatever he tells you to do. Or he wants you to, to run real estate. That's why your money 
cannot be first your own. You see, that tithe they used to argue about is actually the least you can give. And it's that 10% is a sign that is not your own. So that's why when you first have your money, you ask, what should I use for? God said, give me 20%. Give me 30 Give me 10 Then use the rest to take care of my people that are with you, my heritage that are with you. So to go and make more money, you don't need it because the person that owns you says he doesn't need it yet. Or I can bless you without that awesome. I mean, it's me. This will bring you peace. Oh. It will give you peace. Say, I can expand. Because we don't want to expand yet. I want to dig you deep before we expand. But if you run ahead of him, you will ruin. You can make profit. Oh. But the place it will show the most is in your marriage. Marriage is a diagnosis of your true relationship with God. You can be flying outside. Everybody knows you. But it is how you are in your home that tells us how you are really. If I want to know you, I don't look at you, you greet me, pastor. No, no, no. I'll go and ask your wife. If I want to know you as a woman, oh, you're doing protocol, you're looking good. No, 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 no. You can look beautiful outside and be ugly to your husband. Hallelujah. It is when she sees that you are submissive to Christ that you have the power to command submission. I didn't say you will command with your mouth. But because you have authority over your head, that's what the Bible means by covering. That authority will naturally pull her. She will be able to trust you. Are you with me? That is why marriage is powered. You are a man under authority. That is why you can say to this, go and go. Say that, come and come. If you are not under authority, you you not have ability to command submission. So the struggle in your marriage, let me tell you, the reason why she can't follow you again is because you have made many, many bad decisions. Say, that one again. Man, I'm not following you. I'm not doing that. Too. Because you are making wrong decisions. And why are you making wrong decisions? Because you are not listening to Christ. That investment, you made it by yourself. When God said, wait, you ignored him. So it will be so, your marriage is, the, is the, where you get the assessment. Are you with me? That is why if I have a slight, maybe misunderstanding, maybe I say something, I feel tension in my marriage in my, with my spouse. I will just, I will leave her. I will just go to God straight. I don't waste time. Some of you, you normalize tension in your marriage. It's normal. You even have a philosophy. There is no way two people will not fight. The devil is very happy with you that way. Have you ever seen God, the Father, God, the Son, fighting before? Yet you are representing them in your marriage. Are you not supposed to be like the people you are representing? Christ, even though he doesn't count robbery to be equal to God, he constantly submits himself. So submission is not that you don't have power as a woman. It's that you stop under the mission called Christ. Hallelujah. You are constantly... Now, this is where you learn because your husband will not be perfect. He may not be perfectly aligned. You are still growing. So if you have it at the back of your mind, you will constantly go and consult with Christ. There was a particular place my wife wanted me to go to during the week, drive out there. I was like, no. I need to study. I need time alone. And I felt a tension. So I knew something was wrong. So I continued to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. At the point, I just got it. Help them. Drive them there. And wait with them until they come back. That's almost a whole day. From morning to the following day. I say, Lord, so this is your work I'm doing. If I'm stressed, it's your fault. So I, I took them. And there was peace. And she was happy. There were times when, even before we married, God would tell me specifically, buy this, buy that, buy that. Now, people keep going, but what if me, I cannot hear God? You have to hear God. You have to learn it. It's not hard. Go and meet all the pastors. They will teach you. It is a, is it my sheep hear it, my voice. The voice of a stranger. Because you are a hearer, you hear. The question is not if you can hear. The question is who are you been listening to? Who told you that you were naked? Because the two trees were two types of voices. There was a voice, there was a tree of death that channels the voice of Satan. 
and there was a tree of life that channels the voice of the Spirit. And as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the ones that eventually manifest the sonship of Christ. But Satan will not want you to do this. He will come to you, as the Lord said, you should not eat from every tree of the garden. And then he will cause you to make decision outside Christ and your husband. Are you with me? And the devil hates you because the reason why he fell was the reason why you were created. Are you with me? Why did he fall? I won iniquity. Will be like who? The most high. When God was going to create you, let us make man in our own. He was trying to get it by force. You were given as a gift. So Satan ate you because you are what he was dreaming to be like. Your marriage is a depiction of the office he was, he was coveting. So whenever he sees marriage, that's why marriage is a victory against the devil. Every successful marriage is a statement that he has failed. That's why he will keep, so it is the same trick. Listen, it is the same trick he will keep using. He will keep trying to get you to disregard God and make assumption and use your head. Are you with me? And there are many decisions. Now, if you are making a decision and you discover at any point that you have not asked God about it, just repent. Your life will be easier. Your life will progress. Your life will advance to the degree to which you are led. The same thing. You know, it is easy for you to say, I'm the man of this house. I will do whatever I want. And you are not listening to Christ. The way you will know that you are not following is the way she will be responding. She will not be able to follow you well. You'll be having to force her. There will be no power in your marriage. There will be no grace. The tension, the lack of peace, the lack of joy, the lack of confidence that you have in marriage is a product of the lack of connection you don't have. The lack of connection. So, if you spend more time with God, you will realize that naturally, your marriage will grow better. Are you with me? You will just notice that she, there's something she used to be able to say. What's the she won't be able to say it because you command honor. Because there is now honor upon you. So you don't, it's not the amount of money you have. In fact, you realize that the day you are broke is the day she will even be more loving the most. Because now you have a honor upon your life. Because you are submissive to the oil that governs this relationship. Are you with me? And if you do that, listen to me, the devil needs your cooperation to keep you in a camp of failed or struggling marriages. He needs your permission. It is, your, it is following instruction that breaks you out of the camp of struggling marriages that moves you into the promised land of thriving marriages. It is your location in Oreb, the mountain of God, where you are a person that listens to the voice of God and the commandment of God, you live by it. That is what can advance you into the promised land. Because it was at Oreb that instruction came. You have gone round this mountain enough. Break camp. Break the limitation. And advance. Without the, the voice stance of God, you can't make a move to advance. Rise up to your feet. Thank you. Hallelujah. Have you been blessed? You know, my challenge was I had so much, but I had so little time. But just try and say, listen, don't argue with the truth until you have researched it. Are you with me? I'm sure some of the things I'm saying may sound strange to you, but I don't have time to everything. But don't start from where you are and meditate and pray about it. And there was a friend of mine who discovered the things I'm saying after his marriage had 
have separated. He separated from his spouse for three months. It is when he separated, they now started recalling some of our conversations. Then um, his marriage now got repaired. Hallelujah. I'd like you to lift up your voice now and ask for help from God. At the center of it all. Don't sing, pray. You pray. Just say, Lord, I receive help. I receive help. For improvement in my marriage. To be aligned with you. I receive help. We pray you have been blessed by the word of God you received today. For prayers or counseling, our doors are always open. We invite you to worship with us at the Overcomers Church World Outreach. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website, www.overcomersgrace.org. We look forward to seeing you at our next service. God bless you in Jesus' name.